I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This episode, I watched the first episode of um, the Netflix docu-series Genius, and I'm going to talk around it. So, I used to be a humongous Kanye West fan. I think most folks that were into hip-hop who were in college when I was in college were huge fans of Kanye West. And many folks were probably, if you're anything like me, you maybe you were in college in the early 2000s, um, and if you weren't in college, you were into, yeah, maybe you weren't into college, but yeah, bump that, because if you were into conscious rap, quote-unquote conscious rap, from the middle to late 90s, you may or may not have, you probably were, like if you were into conscious rap, if you were into, if you were into Lib into Talib Kweli, most Def, Common, Jill Scott, um, Erica Badu, um, Dead Prez, everybody that, everybody that was invited to Dave Chappelle's block party. If you were into them, you were into Kanye. Maybe not hard, maybe not heavy, as my, my uh, hubby would say. Maybe you, you might not have been into him heavy, but you were into him in some capacity. Me particularly, there was something about this nexus where Dave Chappelle, the, honestly, it was Kanye and it was Common for me. And then, obviously, most deaf and um, Talib Kweli. Um, Consequence was in there. I wouldn't consider Consequence a, a conscious rapper, but he was. There was this this mixing of. It was like in the neo soul wave. I can't I can't explain it. Google it if you if you're not around my age. The best way I can describe it is there was everybody that was doing the um, the Atlanta rappers were out and the simple beats, the catchy hooks, the long white tees, the baggy pants, like the extremely bad, extreme baggy pants, um, the bandana with the with the hat. Um, the trucker hats and all of that, like late 90s, early 2000s fashion was all the same and it was not good. It was bad. If you look at college pictures of me, boy, mm, mm, mm. it just, first off, I kept dying my hair like Keisha Cole when she first came out. 
So it was blonde in the top and in the front top. I can't even call. It was from my left temple to my right temple. It was blonde and like just the top part, but underneath it was brown. But yeah, yeah. And what by blonde, I mean honey blonde because come on, come on. Um, and so, yeah. And anyway, at least for my, and I've shared this before. I have shared this before. But, you know, in my, I was not the only, you go to college, you go to college to learn more, prepare yourself for adulthood, but you're also in in preparing yourself for adulthood. You're also figuring out who you are. I've shared myriad times that I was play acting what I thought I wanted to be and who I thought I was. Um, And so I don't know in in discovering all of the things that I was into and just really delving into them, somehow another conscious rap just came up into the forefront. Like I didn't realize how much of a hotep, like some uh, hotep tendencies, some of these um, artists had at the time. I didn't even know what a hotep is. I think I, I think I first learned what a hotep was after college when I moved to Syracuse, New York, and I started hanging out with these dreadheads. And I'm not saying that they were hotep. I'm saying that people that were adjacent to them were hotep. Actually, there was this one woman that was very... I don't know if they were Rastafarians. They believed they, they lived their life. I don't know if they lived their life as Rastafarians. But I do know that one woman in particular, like her whole whole identity was her locks. Like, I think she had a complex. Anyway, I'm getting off track. I'm getting off track. But there was this real, there was this interesting segment. Speaking of genius, bringing it back in that era. There was like a two-year span in my life where Kanye was the biggest part of it because I didn't know it at the time, but Kanye is, I need to do my Googles because I'm pretty sure Kanye is like a year older than me. I'm almost positive. Hold on. Let me Google him. Yeah, I'm stupid. He's much older than me. Why did I why did I think he was closer closer to me in age? I'm tripping. Okay, he said Kanye West is 44, so we are not close. Anyway, I got my timing wrong. Anyway, I didn't realize he was 44. Okay, so anyway, my point's still oh well then then okay, so check it. All right. So I was in high school when he was blowing up, bet. When he, was, when he was just starting out in his career, I was in high school. Okay. When my... So then when I knew Kanye, when I got to know Kanye, 
when me and my friends got to know Kanye and remember I went to school with a bunch of Chicago kids and so there was a boy named do I want to name him I'll call him M because I'm just gonna call him M he was one of the Chicago kids and he played the drums and there was a um group called <sighs> what the heck is the name of that i cannot remember the name it was an acronym it was like acronym mtsd something like that it was an acronym can't call what the name of the acronym was can't even remember what the acronym was apart from it starting with m and m I definitely knew that M stood for marching, but I don't remember the rest of it. But it was a drum corps and dancers. That's it. That's what it was. Um, and anyway, most of the kids that were a part of the dance troupe, well, not, not most of the kids in the dance troupe. It was like... It was like the dance corps, there was, a, there was folks from in and around the school where we... Lit, uh, that we entered around the town where we went yeah. boy I keep yawning but um in and around the town where we went to school and St. Louis were there a few people from Kansas City a part of the drill team no 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 it was St. Louis and in and around the town where we were we went to school but the drum line was mostly Chicago kids and people who, it was predominantly the Chicago kids and people who were from this, the uh, college town or the nearest city, uh, the nearest big city near the college town. And anyway, um, and so, yeah, I just, it just happened that way. I think what it was is that my school had these pipelines and the most successful pipelines were kids from Louisiana, kids from Illinois, but specifically Chicago. Um, The pipeline from Missouri was really St. Louis and Kansas City. Louisiana, the pipeline was really Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Um, There was a pipeline where they had they literally called it pipeline, by the way. I'm not I'm not just saying this. I didn't pull this this uh, phrase from thin air. They literally called it a pipeline um, where they this this predominantly white university where I went to school specifically recruited black and brown um, kids from ge- specific geographic locations. And so Baton Rouge and New Orleans was one place. Kansas City and St. Louis was another Um Obviously, Chicago was one. Um, Maryland, it was D.C. I don't think I met anybody from Baltimore. It was D.C. where they recruited, um, where they had the pipeline. And I think there were kids from other places, too. Obviously, obviously, there were kids from Nebraska. Nick, uh, I'm talking about black kids. Black and brown kids from um, Nebraska. Black and brown kids from Minnesota, which tripped me out because I was like, Minnesota but like everybody goes through that if you you're not from the Midwest especially the upper Midwest you kind of ignorant to the fact that black people are everywhere including in Wisconsin Minnesota Iowa 
Like there's lots of black history in those places. You just don't think about it. Um, oh, Iowa, uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland was a pipeline city too, um, where my college recruited black and brown kids to go to school. I was recruited. I was recruited. Um, I didn't, mm, I was actually recruited by a couple. Anyway, but long story short, I was recruited um, to the school in any way. But so we get into this program and I think I've shared it before. I was in a program. I was in a, an accelerated program for black and brown kids, especially if they were first generation. Um, and it was literally kids of color. So it was kids from, oh, there was a pipeline from Puerto Rico too. Um, so it was Latinx, Asian, um, yeah, the Asian diaspora, the Latinx diaspora, although it seemed like most of the, uh, the Latinx kids came from Puerto Rico. Um, and then, oh, there was actually a pipeline from, there was actually a pipeline, um, out of, um, Hawaii too. Um, so yeah, this, our college put in some work, put in a whole lot of effort to bring these, these, um, these kids, these, uh, kids of color to their school. And anyway, what ended up happening is kids that were recruited specifically for these programs, the same program that I was a part of, um, also had friends who were not a part of that program, but ended up being from the same place that they were. And so they just migrated to, they just found their way to the university in any way, flash forward to my little group of folks, which was not, all of them were not necessarily a part of the program that recruited me to come to the school, but we all had ties to the program in one way or another. Somebody's cousin was in there and they went to school there. Um, somebody's homegirl or homeboy went to, you know, were in the pipeline. And so they just went to school too. Or some of their, one of their siblings had gone to the same school a couple of years prior. Um, and then they just chose to go to that school too. Anyway, so long story short, there were a number of different ways that we got to the place where most of my friends were from Chicago um, with a few folks from St. Louis, not too many people from Kansas City, but, um, yeah, anyway, my little group of mostly Chicago kids, we watched Dave Chappelle religiously. I think it was Sunday nights when it came on. We listened to the conscious rappers. So most of Talib Kweli, Common, um, KRS one, um, like fill in the blank, all of them and, and the underground. So it was between conscious and underground and quote unquote backpack rap rappers. And Kanye was one of the backpack, backpack rappers that we listened to. And the time frame that was our real sweet spot, our sweet spot was about 2000, Four? Yeah, it was about 2004 to 2006. That was our sweet spot with Kanye. Um, and in that time, I believe that um, college dropout, definitely college dropout, 
got us because college dropout was the one that had through the wire on it. That was the one with, that had Jesus walks. That's, that's the one that had all of the, the, the hits. Like he has, he had multiple hits on that, um, that album. And I think I thought, I guess I thought he was around my age. Like I'm looking at it. He's 44. Kanye 44. I'm 38. So like not super far away, but like not super close either. Um, and so, you know, I guess we all kind of thought he was our age because he's just number one, he had a young looking face. Let's be for real. Um, and number two, it just resonated again. Kanye was from Chicago. I spent most of my time hanging around Chicago kids. Kanye sounded a lot like he sounded familiar. How about that? He sounded familiar. He sound he seemed ambitious. We were ambitious. Um, he also in that moment felt like a voice, not the voice, but a voice speaking things that we were talking about, speaking about things in his rap that we were talking about regularly, routinely. And I'm thinking of even more Chicago kids that I'm talking about. Many of the Chicago kids that I'm talking about. So like super smart, either studied engineering, some sort of form of engineering. Um, so yes, the actually STEM, they were all actually all of the Chicago kids that I'm thinking about were in STEM and are in STEM to this day. Well, mm, some of them are in, in mass media. One of them for sure is in mass media. Like she's a filmmaker. Um, but yeah, they were in um, STEM. And so, and we were all, so I spent a lot of time over the years on this, um, on this, um, on my show talking about like, you know, episodes here and there talking about my weird relationship with trying to figure out who the heck I am. Right. But I wasn't the only one. And so we were all kind of embracing these radical ideas or what we thought to be radical ideas of, of black success and, you know, autonomy and, and just really figuring, diagnosing the community's problems and, and seeing how we could be, you know, a part of the solution. And we were just, it was a whole lot of conjecture. It was a whole lot of, you know, talk. At the end of the day, we were broke college students um, who really did not have the bite to back up our bark, if that makes any sense to you. And so anyway, looking back on it now, I can truly say that Kanye and what he was saying resonated with us because it was some of the things that we were saying and it emboldened us to keep going and to keep, you know, thinking about things differently, thinking about things against the grain. And it didn't help that we were at a predominantly white university and we really took on this mentality that it was like us against them. And we really, we get the feeling got the feeling that we needed to, I had the feeling that I needed to prove myself. I think we all collectively decided to, in this weird way, separate ourselves, isolate ourselves, because it, was, it wasn't hard to isolate ourselves on this predominantly white campus. It wasn't hard to isolate ourselves. We had been selected by our university to come and 
diversify the community, diversify the campus, but there really weren't many supports there for us. So we had to create supports. Yes, there were black faculty members. We had the Black Student Alliance and and uh, Black Student House. But like we had to fight for every inch to maintain that house. The the house that we had uh, for it was the Black Cultural Union was literally for everybody that was black, all the meetings, everybody had to that was our our one space and it was like a small little house and so we didn't have too many other safe spaces and now mind you I literally having a house sounds like a luxury but if you consider the university that we went is a major large state institution large state I'm talking about been on ESPN since ESPN was putting college universities on ESPN for basketball for football, big time. And so it was a huge university that attracted a ton of students. And among those students, the black population was a fraction just like it is in the United States. And anyway, long story short, we created our own little world. And even in the world that was, uh, you know, folks who chose to opt into being a part of the black culture at our university, we created, my friend group, we created an even smaller group of folks that vibed off of, in a lot of ways, Kanye was speaking about us, in a lot of ways in our experience. Now, mind you, we were a bunch of nerds who were fantasizing what we would do, what we could do if we got a little bit of power. But in actuality, I think we were just all still trying to find our way in the way that made the most sense for us. But you know how you do. You know how you do when you go to college. You're just kind of figuring things out. Anyway, for us, Kanye was a mouthpiece. And it sounded like he was speaking a lot of truth and made a lot of sense. And so, again, I say from about 2004 to 2006, that was the sweet spot where Kanye was a major voice in our little old community. But then we started to graduate. Like one by, you know, group by group, we all sort of graduated. Um, And then I can remember graduating And then, like, as I'm moving, I I initially I moved back home for a little while for like a couple of months. And then I I took an internship um, and I went to Syracuse, New York, and I'm just feeling myself out there. And I'm on the move because when you graduate college, that's when you you're making your moves. You're figuring out, you know, what's your what's your first step in adult world. And so I'm figuring out my next step in adult world. I don't have any kids. I'm moving around. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I know I don't want to live home. My parents are encouraged me to, you know, go fly your, go, go spread your wings and fly. And so I'm doing this and I'm also reevaluating all those things that I held so strongly to in college. And I don't feel so strongly about those things anymore. It's a heck of a lot harder to hold to a lot of those values that I thought were so important when I was out in the real world. I was out in the world trying to negotiate working in community. This is where I'm really putting. So I have always been about community and building in community. I think though, 
I was thinking in a vacuum in college and I, yes, I was in the community in college, but like when I left the safety of college and I actually went into a community that really needed the help that I was signing up to offer, oh, things changed a little bit. And I started to understand about bureaucracy and I started to understand about red tape. And I I also understood that um, fatigue was real, burnout, you know, service burnout was real. And also it hit me like a ton of bricks, that mentality, that same uh, accusatory finger wag that I gave to NGOs that were going to countries in Africa and countries in in Asia um, and trying to go to these, you know, these communities and tell them what they needed. I was more so focusing on the countries in Africa where all of these NGOs set up shop. Everybody brings, you know, builds a well and, and, and helps to pump water or what have you, or bring some sort of resource. But, you know, two years later you go back and the thing is kaput because there was no sustainable planning put in place, program put in place, measures put in place to ensure that that thing would be there until it was no longer needed, right? And so it was easy to to wag your finger at NGOs, but it was a heck of a lot harder to recognize that you could be also a part of that problem right here at home, going into different communities if you weren't too doggone careful. And it was after college that I started to realize, oh, there's some nuance here. Oh, there's a whole lot of nuance here. Let me like get embedded into communities. And instead of telling them what they need, how about I listen? How about we listen? How about I help influence listening and gathering the data and and presenting the cases to bring the right resources? And so my attitude began to change about all of the, like it, it wasn't so cookie cutter anymore. It wasn't so black and white and clear. And I'm saying all of this to say, you know, Kanye made sense to me when what he was talking about early on made a heck of a lot of sense to me then. When I left college, it's, it, it's not like I intentionally decided no more Kanye. I think it just didn't serve the purpose. He was no longer a driving voice in my world anymore. Just wasn't. So a couple of things led to that, by the way. Number one, I lived in Syracuse, New York. The radio station wasn't, it was, it was garbage. It was hot garbage. So I started listening to, I picked this up actually, I, I, before I even went, moved to Syracuse. I, um, when I was in school, I would always listen to, um, I will always listen to CDs that I burned of songs that I really loved. Oh, The Roots. I keep, I don't know why I miss The Roots. The Roots were a big part of my, um, I was listening to The Roots in high school. So of course they, they travel with me um, when I went to college. But anyway, so I was just, when I'm moving around, two things contributed to me no longer growing with Kanye and his music and keeping up with where he was going. I wasn't listening to the radio, so that was out. I was only listening to College Dropout. I wasn't listening to any of his new things. I was also, I didn't have a TV when I moved to Syracuse, New York. I didn't have a TV. And, and actually, when I, I lived there for a year and then I moved to Baltimore. I didn't have a TV in Baltimore for at least the first 
five years I lived here. So I, I really curated my music. Even when, I, even when the station was good when I moved here in 92Q and all the other stations that um, would give me access to Kanye and his music, I really didn't listen to, 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 I listened to talk radio heavy. I did not listen to regular radio. So like um, WEAA, I was listening to, and WYBR, I listened to, these are the NPR stations here um, in Baltimore. Um, Because I was used to listening to, I think I listened to BLS when I was in Syracuse. I listened to BLS, but that was the internet radio. I did listen to Wendy Williams' show, I did. Um, But I wasn't really, I was listening to underground. I kept finding underground artists. Like, that's where I was. And then I met my homegirl, Mon, when I moved to Baltimore, and she just kind of fed my underground need for underground music or, like, stuff that really moved me in high school, like Busta Rhymes and and Most Def. Like, y'all remember Rock the Bells? You remember Rock the Bells. That's what I got into when I moved out to here. And Kanye never graced the stage. Kanye, at the time that I was getting into, like, really, you know, having some money that I could move around and go to different shows and things like that, underground shows, like the Rock the Bells and then what was Roots? What's the Roots? Roots Picnic. So Rock the Bells, Roots Picnic, going around to those sort of festivals, um, and then, you know, here in Baltimore, it, that Artscape and Afram and um, Stone Soul, they used to have Stone Soul until they, they stopped doing that, like, I think a decade ago. Anyway, um, but Kanye wasn't coming to those places. Kanye was not coming out to that. So I was just, I just, the only time I would get exposed to Kanye music is if somehow or another he was doing a collaboration with like a consequence, an underground rapper, which he did do. Or I would see him, I would, one of my favorite rappers at the time, which, you know, my feelings, I love, complicated relationship with most deaf, and I never really, I was waiting, just the only reason why I liked Talib Kweli was because of his proximity to most deaf. So anyway, that's another conversation for another day about those two individuals, but I wasn't really listening to Kanye unless he was with one of the rappers that I was into at the time. And and he just wasn't around a lot of the the rap. I tell you this, what what was the uh, kids? Shoot. Um, Got a toe, toes done up and a fingernails matching. What was that girl's name? I would re- I would see him in proximity to some of the artists that he was trying to put on from Chicago, but I wasn't too much listening to Kanye. He just, the time had passed for me. And so I'm not the only one where there was a moment where, actually, I, yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only, I'm, I'm in that group of folks that dug him really heavy between about 2000 2002 to about, no, excuse me, 2004 to 2006. And then there were no more. And then he, but his career kept going, right? And so, and then we know where he is now. And then, you know, I remember him dating uh, 
what's her name? Amber Rose. And I'll be like, okay, because this is what I remember of Kanye. I remember hearing about his relationships in the tabloid. I remember at first he was with, um, I think he was with um, a girl from Chicago. And I think she might have been a part of the D9. I think maybe a Delta or whatever, because that was part of his song. And then I remember hearing something on the tabloid like he cut her off because she was doing too much chasing cloud or whatever. And then so he cut her off and he got with Amber Rose. And I remember the scandal was that, ooh, his girlfriend, his Chicago girlfriend was brown skinned. And Amber Rose is super light and ooh, what's that about? But whatever. So she's still she's still a part of the the African diaspora. So okay, fine, fine, fine. So she's he's with Amber Rose. She's a little scandalous, whatever, whatever. They break up, and now he's with uh, KK. Um, and ooh, that's trying to trifling because she a little she a little suspect. And then that was a, that was a thing that happened. And so I think for me, it was easy not to pay attention to him because it just felt like he, number one, he didn't really serve, he didn't, didn't serve the same purpose that he served for me when I was in college. And then number two, it just felt messy. And so I just mm, didn't too much pay attention to him after that, to be honest with you. Um, and then flash forward and then we know the Kanye that we, you know, living with today and um, all the issues that he's gone through, the ups and downs right up until today where he's in the tabloid. Now he's he's um, speaking against the KK, KK and the, the K family and, and saying all this other stuff. And I'm just it's falling on deaf ears for me. Um, because I felt there was a, I, I think the community, there was a point where it's clear that a lot of folks in the black community around my age felt disappointed, felt let down by him. I can't say that I ever felt let down by him. I just am like one of the many that says, I miss that feeling that we had about the music that he was making in the early 2000s because it felt like I don't know. It felt like he really was, as as the documentary reminds us, doing it for the city, doing it, but but not even doing it for Chicago, like doing it for our generation. Even though he was a little bit older than us, it still felt like he was one of us doing it for us. And then when it stopped feeling like that, felt a little bit like we lost something. And so when he started doing this wild stuff, talking about slavery was a, like, I can't remember, but there was a, there was a point where I specifically stopped listening. Like I purposely did not listen to even the old, the, the, his first and his uh, freshman and sophomore album, like where to me, he was not problematic at all. He was just energetic and inspired. Like there was a point and I can't remember what happened to make me just not want to give him any streams. I didn't even want to listen to the CDs that I had made 
of his stuff. I was so frustrated by his behavior. And I'm just like, it's whatever. Like, you do you. I'm going to be over here. You're not going to get a dime from me. Go get it from your people. Go get it from the people who are your people now. Um, Because you no longer represent what I thought you represented. And that's cool. I've moved on. And clearly you have as well. Um, But yeah, I don't remember what happened. But that's okay, because I don't think I need to remember what happened because this documentary, Genius, I'm one, I'm thinking it's going to tell me what happened. It's going to tell me what, what happened in his life to make me, what he did to make me be like, er, skirt of dirt, let me just leave it where it's at. Um, and so, yeah, so I think what I want to do is, well, let me, let me do this. So uh, let me take a break. And then when I come back, I will get do the particulars of the doc itself. And then I'll talk about what was released. Um, by the time you're here, you're recording this. Um, it was released. I actually don't know when it was released. Maybe it was released on the uh, February 16th. I can't remember. Uh, February 15th, I mean. I can't remember, but I remember, I, I know that I watched it a couple of days before this airing, uh, before the airing of this, um, of this show. So whatever, when I come back, I'll share the particulars of, you know, this doc and how unusual it is because I told hubby, um, I was sitting down and I was watching this. He's like, what are you watching? And I told him I was watching this genius doc and it's about Kanye West and his friend, Cootie, who has been recording him for 20 years, which is a very long time. And what's that? A longitudinal, darn dare longitudinal study on this person. Um, documenting, documenting tons of stuff. Very important um, time frames in his life. And so in the next segment, I'm going to talk about the particulars and I'm going to go into the filmmaker um, and aspects of the first episode that was released. I get the sense that this thing is going to be released like a week at a time or something like that. They're going to drag this out a little bit. But the first episode was a long one. But it, it makes sense because this guy's been following, been recording Kanye for 20 years. So... In the next segment, all about the details, the particulars of the docu-series, Genius. Okay, so now to the particulars. Genius, spelled J-E-E-N hyphen, capital Y, lowercase, excuse me, U-H-S. Um, I don't know why I felt like spelling that out when you could clearly see it by the show title, excuse me. Anyway, um, it says it's a Kanye trilogy. Oh, no. Oh, the, t- the full title is Genius, colon, a Kanye trilogy is a 2020 American documentary film directed by Cootie and Chike about the life of artist 
record producer, businessman, and fashion designer Kanye West. I still do not consider him to be a fashion designer, but it's cool. Anyway, it was released on the 23rd of January, so over almost a month ago, which I never heard of it before, but I saw it, though, on Netflix uh, the other day, so it's whatever. Maybe it was just released on Netflix the other day. Anyway, um, funnily enough, it's it's produced by Kanye West, Clarence Clemens, Chike Oza. Oh, Clarence Clemens, I think, is Cootie. Um, Chike Oza and Leah Natasha Thomas. Don't know who that is. Um, anyway, um, what else to say about this thing? Oh, it is spans 20 years. I think I said that before, but it spans 20 years. And actually... Cootie, it started with Cootie uh, interviewing him in, in 2000, but not him specifically, him and some other artists as part of his cable TV access show in Chicago. And in the beginning of the, uh, the it's bro- this series itself is broken down into parts. I don't know how many more parts there will be, but this first episode, I know that there are going to be other episodes. Um, uh, well, it says trilogy, so maybe it's just three episodes. Anyway, this episode was like an hour. The like the runtime on the thing was like an hour. Well, let me look at the wiki to be clear. It premiered in Sundance January twenty third, but it was released uh, the other day on Netflix. Okay, so that's why. Um, I'm trying to get how many episodes there were. Okay, so it begins, it ends at his unsuccessful uh, presidential campaign. I'm assuming it's three episodes. It says the trilogy, so I'm assuming it's three episodes, but the runtime on this last one, this first episode, which because it's a trilogy, I, I guess like for the next three weeks. So this week was week, uh, episode one, next week is it be episode two. And um, the final one will be episode, you know, week three will be the, f- the third episode. And anyway, this first one was like an hour and 20 something minutes, 14 to 20 minutes, something like that. So I expect nothing less than that same length of the documentary or the episode for the other two, because it's over 20 years of this man getting footage. And what do you know about footage? We know that for the TikToks, the TikToks that are like a minute, we know that producers are crafting and editing that thing for hours, right? So you can only imagine how much more footage that Cootie has of Kanye West that he has to get out. Um, and if this first episode is any indication, he has a ton. So let me just back up. And Cootie, again, who is probably Cl- Clarence Simmons, I don't know. Um, but Cootie started out as a, as a cable TV access reporter because that's what he thought he wanted to do. Um, And so he ended up inadvertently recording the rise of hip hop in Chicago in the early 2000s. Now, what we know is that Kanye was already out, not Kanye, but um, uh, Common was already out. There were other Chicago rappers that were already out during that time. I think Twister was already out at that time, or at least he was getting some traction. but anyway, what would happen is um, Cootie was doing these report. He was just interviewing these rappers um, 
what's her name? What's the woman? The, um, who's Lisa, Le- uh, shoot. Lisa Ray's cousin. No, Le- Lisa Ray's sister. Lisa Ray's sister. You know who she is. The the rapper. Le- anyway, she's Lisa Ray's sister. But anyhow, um, she's in there. It, long story short, so Cootie is, re- is recording all of these, documenting all of these rappers. And it turns out that he's just chronicling the the rise of a lot of these Chicago rappers, or at least some of these Chicago rappers. Um, and anyway, was it, daggone it. She went to jail for a little bit. <laughs> Gee, I cannot remember. I need to take my um, allergy medicine. Oh my goodness. Um, oh, her name is on the tip of my tongue. I just had some of my shake. Every January, I'm switching subjects like a mug, but every every winter at the beginning of the year, I just go through this thing where my I feels like my body needs certain shakes or like certain things, like a lot of vegetables and fruits. And the easiest way to get uh, all of them without just literally sitting down and eating like a whole tomato, a whole, um, you know, uh, beet because I crave beets but like they're kind of gross to just sit and eat like you don't just sit and eat a beet like a freaking apple or whatever so you you blend the thing up and you put it with other things fun fact ginger and a blending ginger with a beet is actually good it's actually put a little honey up in there and then you put like a banana in there with some orange juice maybe an apple I prefer pink lady or um What's the other one? What's the fancy one? Honeycrisp. Although it gets expensive, the, you know, poor man's Honeycrisp is, is the pink lady. Anyway, well, I don't know that to be true, but that's how I feel. Anyway, but I make, a, I make these shakes um, and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm enjoying one at the moment because obviously I've taken a break between the first uh, recording of part uh, recording of the part of this episode, recording the first part of this episode until now. So duh. Anyway, um, but yeah, so so I'm I'm taking shake break. So just so that you know, you hear that it's because I'm taking a shake break. Anyway, so th- so this documentary is as much about Kanye as it also is about let's be for real, Cootie being a filmmaker because of the beginning, it, it, like Kanye's story. And again, this is like an hour and 15, hour and 20, something like that. Kanye's story is wedged in between Cootie talking about how he decided that he was just going to be a filmmaker following Kanye West because he was that magnetic to being on the other side of this. Look at all this film, look at all this footage that I have. And there's so much more I want to tell about his story. And it's almost like he doesn't say this but I certainly, I think by now you kind of get that me and a lot of other people are kind of looking at this as, as, an, as a love letter to old Kanye. And I don't know if that is the most appropriate take on this thing. It's just how I feel in the moment. Um, I think I've seen an article or two about someone who phrased it in a very similar way, saying, like, I think Rolling Stone or somebody like that, um, the New Yorker might have said, this feels like a love letter to the old Kanye. And, and it's kind of set out to be true. Here's something. So, so it absolutely chronicles Cootie's journey in deciding to follow Kanye 
for at this point, it's over a span of a couple of years. So the first episode takes you right up until him, him being signed to Rockefeller, but before the accident um, and before uh, recording the album that was College Dropout. Um, or was that late registration? No, 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 it was College Dropout. Anyway, the first one. Anyhow, so you are reminded in this episode how much of a sacrifice Kanye had to make to make his dream come true, how much he had to believe in himself. And it's indicative of how much any artist has to believe in themselves. You, But this is true, not even just of artists. If you have a thing that you want to do, business owner, what have you, you got to believe in you first in order to get other people to believe in you. That's a metaphor uh, for life, really. But beyond that, so you see him working, you see him being humble, but at the same time trying not to keep... He's getting tussled with uh, left and right because he's clearly very talented, wants to be a rapper. Nobody's taking him seriously. That's also another metaphor for not allowing people to define who you are. Um, you can find a whole sort of meaning in this thing. But um, so that's there. And it's also about the framing. Again, Cootie does a really great job. You can tell Cootie likes Kanye. And as a result, he's framing all of these moments to kind of pull out these details about Kanye because he believed in him so tough. Um, and so you start seeing, you start seeing what Kanye had and that Kanye believed in his own work and that he just kept feeling like it's just around the corner. Somebody, I just got to keep hustling just a little bit harder. Somebody's going to, somebody's going to see it. Somebody's going to catch the vision and it'll be all worth it. And so you see him persist in spite of people wanting to keep him in a box, pigeonhole him, discount any other, excuse me, discount any other um, talent that he might have so that they could use him for the way that they want to be, to use him. But the smart thing that Kanye did was he never gave out the, his best. He, he was always a beat maker, always producing things, but he never, never gave out his best. He said that he said, well, maybe he gave out his best, but he saved what he wanted for him. He kept it close and he never shared it. And that is a note to self, dears. You will never, you will always, if you creative people, inventive people, innovative people, you will always have innovative ideas. Make sure you are saving something for you, though. Make sure you were saving something for you, but I digress. Um, so there's that aspect of Kanye and you, and you get that, you get that sense of urgency, maybe not a sense of urgency, but it's like determination out of him, right? Then you also see the people that are gravitating around him, like people get it, but they're not ready to take a chance just yet. And that is an interesting place to be as well, because, you know, half the time when you are a dreamer, when you're an innovator, it's not just that you have to get the people that would that would finance you, who could finance your dream to believe in you. But you also need to have the people around you as your support system be able to believe in you. And and it's clear to me that his support system was, for the most part, kind of small. Or at the very least, he had some frenemies as part of his 
support system. And that truly the one person that wholeheartedly, uh, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly had his back, no questions asked, was his mama, Donda. When I tell you that there was a touching moment, and again, I'm glad that Cootie always kept his cameras rolling to catch everything because some of the moments that Cootie caught, you could not have made that up. You couldn't have manufactured it. You couldn't have. It would have felt, it would have felt manufactured. But before Kanye got on and after, it was a scene after Kanye had just bum rush. So what you need to know is Kanye moved at a certain point, Kanye, knowing that he needed to be closer to New York, where where the, the action was happening, he leaves Chicago and moves to New Jersey because obviously who can afford New York first thing out? You know what I mean? Unless you got a bunch of roommates. So he knew, you, he moves to New Jersey and he spends his time, he splits his time between Chicago and New Jersey, still making beats because that's what he do. But then also, you know, still trying to get noticed by the record labels that he thinks should, that he should be paying in mind. And he always wanted to be on Rockefeller because of Jay-Z. Um, and so there are some interesting moments where you see him um, trying to essentially court Rockefeller. And one time he absolutely goes into Rockefeller agency, I guess, their offices. And he try, he go, keeps going to different people and uh, sharing some of his music for like one of the tracks from um, College Dropout. I can't remember which one, but he was so into it. And you could tell that the people were so not into it. They weren't paying him no mind. Um, and that was hard to keep your head up. And it was, it was clear that it was hard for him to keep his head up in that moment. And then you switch from there and he's like, but I'm gonna still grind. I'm gonna still go. I'm gonna still go hard. And then you switch from there and then you see him spending moments back in Chicago with his mom. And I think there was nothing more touching. No, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. There was nothing more touching than his mother Donda in her apartment. In between encouraging him to follow his dreams and reminding him that he had something special. She began to rap, recite one of his raps from years ago, it was clear, years ago. And at first I was like, oh, is Donda a lyricist? And no, it was just, she was reciting one of her baby's rap lyrics. And she almost repeated it verbatim. That little moment there told me that Donda just wasn't a supporter of his. (coughs) She was the number one supporter of Kanye's, which enabled him to walk so boldly. Because when I tell you there is nothing like a parent or somebody that you see as a parental figure, wholeheartedly, all 10 toes down, all they fingers, all phalanges behind you in support of you, you might, you don't even have to walk on the ground. You don't have to walk on the ground. You don't have to eat nothing. You don't have to sleep. You don't have to rest because when that person is truly behind you and is really sharing 
that love and that's genuine support unadulterated and here's how we know it was unadulterated and this this emergency vehicle it feels like they are going two miles an hour past here and i don't know why that is because this is the longest anyway i'm gonna ignore it um there was a moment, and I th- everybody's sharing it th- at this point because everybody's seen the episode at this point. So I'm quite sure if you Google the Jesus or the genius, uh, if you Google genius right now, you will find this quote. But um, it was something like, oh, let me try to remember. If the, the giant looks in the mirror and sees nothing. She said that to Kanye. Kanye got it and they had a very poignant moment. This was after she recited as best she could and it was pretty darn well an old song that he had recorded or old old rap that he had created. She, in encouraging him, and again, this is how you know somebody's 10 toes down for you. In encouraging him, she also said, the giant looks in the mirror and, and, and sees nothing. And in that analogy, what I understood based on how Kanye responded, what I understood what she, and then subsequently the, the context that she provided, what I understood that to mean was, at least to them, was everybody else could recognize your genius. Everybody could recognize that you're that big deal. You are that thing all around the block. But you need to stay focused. You don't worry about who you are. You know who you are. You know you're, the giant knows it's a giant. So the giant doesn't spend time thinking about how much of a giant it is. He, they are. The giant looks in the mirror and see, and is looking for something else. Look, the, the, yeah, I, the, in my mind, what I understood that exchange to mean was, Kanye, you know you are talented. Everybody else will get come along. They'll come along. You just remain humble. And I think she even said that in the moment as, as, it, as a, like an addendum to that statement. The giant, and, it, and it's, it's like, it almost feels like one of those nothing phrases, but it actually think about that. So I don't know that the giant looks in the mirror and sees nothing. I see, I think the giant looks at the mirror and sees themselves and imperfections and flaws and other things that they want to work on. I think that's more accurate for like someone who is, I understood where she was coming from in that moment. I think I amend it to share that anyone that is very passionate, it's very important for you to kind of be well-rounded, not to believe your own hype too much, but also not to criticize yourself too much either because what we see is that, and, and maybe that's just for everybody else. Maybe that's for me, if I'm honest with you. But it's important for you to stay on the ground. And I think even in one moment, Donda says, you can be in the clouds with your feet on the ground. You can be in both places at once. And so that moment there was just a snippet of how 10 toes down Donda was for Kanye and also how grounding she was for him as well. And I know we're going to get to her passing. We're going to get to that shift. I know everybody in my generation, in my little group, 
blamed Kanye's turn for Donda's passing. I don't know that to be true. I was talking to hubby the other day about it. And I can't remember if I said this in the intro or not. I don't know that that to be true. I know that traumatic incidences happen and they change your life. I think Kanye was probably, and it'll be interesting to see. I'm not a clinician. That's another thing. I got to be careful. I'm not a clinician. Even if I were a clinician, it'd be hard for me to try to diagnose anyone without, like any, any professional will tell you, you, they're not in the habit. They're not in the business of diagnosing a people, a person they haven't sat with and talked with, right? But there are certain hallmarks of certain lived experiences, right? Certain, certain idiosyncrasies that just certain people have if they've had this particular lived experience. And I'm interested to see what episode two will, will tell us because certainly episode two is him coming into Rockefeller, also the accident, him restarting his relationship with Jay-Z and I'm quite sure it'll lead us up to Donda's passing. Because at Donda's passing, then he leaves Amber Rose, I believe, and goes to uh, uh, Kim Kardashian. And so I'm, I'm guessing that episode two will be more of Donda and then endure passing and then the change, the turn. Which I think we will start to see happen in episode two, if I'm honest. That's where the turn really will take place, really will go down. But anyway, we'll see. I will say this. There is something inspiring about how much he believed in himself and how hard he worked. Because if this documentary so far has taught you nothing, if you don't know Kanye's story or you don't really know how many artists talented artists and I'm not saying talented as if to say other artists aren't talented I guess what I mean to say is someone who is musically inclined whose whose talent comes honestly not comes at the help of a lot of people that have worked for you to get that talent but it comes naturally and I hate I apologize that I said honestly naturally um I just can't get over the amount of believing in himself that he had to have in order to keep persisting. Even when someone who he considered to be a mentor made a diss record about him, which is passive aggressive as all get out, but that's how you do If any opportunists make a way out of absolutely no way. And so it's wild to me how we had to see, we saw Kanye be humiliated by someone he considered to be his idol in the same frame. We see in the morning that they were sitting together hanging out and then by the evening, one of his idols is on the radio talking about a disc record he just released. And then a couple of hours later, you see Kanye talking with him and the guy gets out of the car and apologizes to Kanye but like you messed up and I'm like what do you mean you messed up if that's your mentee if that's your mentee call them you don't have their phone number put them on the defense it was weird to me oh it was so weird how that that's just some weird type stuff but you get what Kanye probably wasn't ready to admit is what we all saw in that moment if you watch it you'll see it too 
crap, that was, that was somebody being an opportunist. And this, this somebody happened to be his mentor. And you hate to see it. You absolutely hate to see it, but it is what it is. Kid sister. No. I'm sorry. I, that came out of nowhere. There was a Chicago rapper that came out that, that Kanye put on. And I wonder if you're going to hear more about that. Kid's sister, she was underground. Remember, I told you earlier that I was into underground. Like, I was more into the underground than the mainstream. If you were on the radio, I wasn't, I wasn't checking for you. Not like that. Not like that. Um, which is an oxymoron because weren't the Roots, wasn't Erica, wasn't Jill, wasn't um, uh, Ghetto Boys, wasn't uh, Scarface, everybody. All of these people that I truly loved, uh, Black Star, um, and most... As an independent artist, weren't they all on the radio at one point? Sure, but like I, never you mind. Never the new. Okay, I've been watching Gilded Age. Never the new. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, um, yeah, that just came out of nowhere because when I was recording the first part of this episode, I could not remember the name of the, the rapper, but their name was Kids, I think it was like Kids Sister. I don't know what the heck, heck, I don't know what the heck happened to them, but the, the song was got a toes done up and a fingernails matching. Toe, toe, toes done up and a fingernail matching. That's all I remember. Google it. You'll find, I'm pretty sure it's Kid Sister, but I'm not that interested to look it up. But anyway, I digress. What we saw was him being betray, be, betrayed by a mentor. And him being crushed by it. You can see he's physically crushed. And then he moves on. And you wonder, are these the seedlings? Are these the seedlings for the shift later? Because again, what we know is that the first two, the first two albums that he created, he had been working on since the 2000s when he felt a different way. And so when we get into 2008, 2010, He's in a different headspace. He's playing the music. And that's another thing that you're reminded about. A lot of these artists, the music that you're hearing that just came out now, they probably worked on five years ago. And that's the headspace they were in um, that time. Case in point, remember Trinidad James, where he he sang the, the, had that song, Gold All In My Chain, Gold All In My Is it all gold everything? Can't call it. Anyway, that song. He was talking about drug use or whatever. Um, and he, when it came out, he was going through these interviews and he was like, man, I made that five years ago or uh, that was such a long time ago. That's not the headspace I'm in now. I'm vibing to it now because it's something I made and y'all enjoy it. But like, that's not where I am musically. I'm into something else right now. And it's just a reminder, the stuff that we're seeing, baby, they had that dream. Many of them. Unless they are freestyling, many of them had that dream and put it on wax years ago. Put it on paper probably first, years ago. And they have already, by the time we're hearing it and it's fresh to us, they've already created something else that's new that you won't hear for another two years probably. And then by the time we hear that, they'll be on and on. And the the cycle continues, again, unless you're freestyling. And so anyway... This first episode reminded me of why I felt like Kanye represented me and my people, my group 
at the time, but I'm also ready to admit that there is a big reason why the change happened because he was no longer underground anymore. He was no longer, there was a point where the shift happened and even though he was on block party, Dave Chappelle had invited him out and we were all looking up to Dave Chappelle at the time and, and you know, and we were, you know, he was part of community. It still felt like, mm, to me anyway, and many people like me, especially in my friend group, it felt like there was a, the out of touchness that he was coming to. And I, I, I wanna try to reconcile that feeling I want to try to reconcile that feeling, and I'm wondering if I'll be able to do that through getting to know him and his relationship with Donda. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, I think I have talked enough um, about all of this. Watch this docu-series. Um, like I said, it's, it's, uh, the only thing that's out today is episode one. Um, so, you know, you need to have time for it, but it... it if you have any nostalgia at all about Kanye, this will feed that a little bit for you and it'll shed some light on some other things. It'll also open up a whole lot more questions. I'm wondering if one of the points here is for compassion. If one of the points of Cootie's releasing this now is for compassion. Because again, Kanye is an executive producer on this thing. And I don't know if he's put on there because he has bankrolled Cootie this whole time or he signed off on this whole this whole docuseries because it's not lost on me the weird things he's doing now that he's separated from Kim and the how he's moving it's it's he's moving real funny um and it's and it's unhealthy and so it's not lost on me that I that again we're kind of looking at this thing through a fan's perspective because Cootie's a fan of Kanye and so we need to, you know, we need to interrogate whether or not he's a truly reliable narrator. So just keep that in the back of your mind. And I'm saying that to, to you as I'm, I'm also saying it to myself. So, yeah, there's that. Anyway, watch it or don't. But, um, yeah, if you watch it, just leave me a message. I'd, I'd be interesting to have a conversation about all of this, especially if you were. Well, actually, if you were a fan of, Con of early Kanye or if you never were and it's just. An interesting story. Yeah. Anyway, um, if, if you enjoyed listening to this episode or any of the episodes, go ahead and, and share this or any episode with uh, anybody that you find might enjoy this episode, or any of these show, these <laughs> episodes that I do as well. Um, leave me a favorable review. I appreciate that in advance. Thank you so much for doing that. I will read your review um, when I'm able to catch it. Because at the end of the day, you rating the show favorably and you leaving comments is a way to help get more folks to listen to this thing um, and keep me doing this hobby that I enjoy doing. So anyway, um, that's it for now. Appreciate you for listening. Enjoy your day or enjoying whatever time frame you're listening to this thing. Um, take care of yourself. Continue to take care of yourself. Make yourself a shake. Go buy you a shake. Um, go eat something for good for you or go eat some cake. I don't care. Just be happy. All right. Take care of yourself and have a great day. Okay. Until next time.